I think this series is exciting because we're looking at um, the end of the Gospel of Luke. Uh, next week, we'll be looking at nearly the end of the Gospel of John. And it, it's an exciting time in the early church because Jesus has risen from the dead. He gives us hope of the resurrection. Easter, as we know, was just two weeks ago for us. So we're looking at this time right when Jesus has risen from the dead, but he hasn't ascended to heaven yet. So he's here with the disciples. We're going to be talking about that. And then immediately after that, just a couple of weeks from now, we're going to step right into the book of Acts. Uh, Probably most of you know, but um, Luke wrote both the Gospel of Luke and Acts. And when you look at the end of the Gospel of Luke, and when you look at the first words, the first sentences of the book of Acts, they flow almost right together. And so we're going to be going right from... um, that Jesus ascending into heaven right into the early church. Now, why is that exciting? I think it's exciting because these are real people that dealt with real tough issues. Uh, Times they were frightened, they were scared, and and we see God working in them just as we can apply that to God working in us. That's what we're going to be talking about, and I'm excited about that as well. So let's go ahead and start on that. That is today's text is in Luke chapter 24, right near the end of Luke. Uh, verses 33 through 44. So this is God's word. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true. The Lord has risen as has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. We talked about this last week. That was on the road to Emmaus when two of the disciples met with Jesus. Back to the scripture. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Let's pray. Most loving God, we thank you for this time to be together. We've already been in prayer and we are again. We ask that you bless this word, that it is living and active and that it moves in our lives, that we can not only read it for what it said then, but how it, for, how it applies for our lives right now. So God, we ask that you bless this reading and the discussion of the word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to break down this part here at the, the end of uh, Luke chapter 24 into about four bite-sized pieces. The first part's in verses 33 through 35, where Jesus reveals himself at the right time. And the good news comes at the right time to the disciples who are gathered together. Just last week, as I mentioned, Jesus um, shows himself to the two disciples who are just on the road to Emmaus outside of Jerusalem. And they said, as they talked to him, their hearts were burning within them as they met him. He shows up at the right time. And then here again, where the disciples are all gathered together, 
he comes in and meets with them at the right time. Now, the disciples are wondering, you know, what is their future hold? They're probably confused. They're probably scared. Um, Jesus was crucified. Uh, would they be persecuted? Would they be crucified? What will happen to them without their leader? And Jesus comes at the right time to meet them where they are. Well, what about us? When has God shown up for you at the right time in your life? God's right time is Kairos time, which Jim Caps had said before from up here. Kairos is an ancient Greek word meaning the right or opportune moment, the supreme moment. And God revealed himself to the disciples at the right moment. I know this has happened in my life, and I want you to think about where maybe this has happened in your life as well. Uh, this happened really dramatically to me the couple of weeks of time when I was moving to seminary. Now, this is back in the early 1990s, and I lived in uh, Dallas, Texas at the time. And I remember my, my mom and dad, but especially my dad, they helped me load up my 1987 Olds Cutlass. And I was single at the time, so I was going to be driving from Dallas, Texas to Pasadena, California, across the American Southwest. And I was kind of planning on going on my own, which was not very exciting. And I was very anxious about that. But at the right time, God sent my friend Rick Howard. And Rick said, you know what? I'd like to ride with you so you don't have to go alone. I'll help you drive. And then I'll fly back when I get out there. So God showed up at the right time with my old friend Rick to ride with me across the Southwest. Now, I've talked to Rick a lot of times since then. Now, what, what Rick remembers about this trip, I remember it was a real God thing. What Rick remembers is when we were in Western Arizona, loaded down in my old cutlass with all my earthly possessions crammed in there and the two of us, um, that the hot engine light came on. It's late August, first week of September, and uh, it's probably over 100 degrees in Arizona, and we're driving across the desert, and the hot engine light comes on. Well, thinking back to what my father had taught me, we turn on the heater and roll down the windows and pull the heat off the engine, and, and we may have even taken our shirts off as we're driving across the desert, but the hot engine light went off, the car made it through the desert, and we ended up making it into California. So that's what Rick remembers about that trip when I ask him. Um, well, next, um, my friend Rick flew home. He just, he just drove out there to go with me and drive with me. And I didn't have a place to live. I was kind of stepping out in faith. So I went to the seminary housing office. I had a place to stay for a couple of days. And it turns out they had told me before that there were no apartments available. But when I got there, at the right time, there was an apartment available, a small apartment that was part of the seminary housing, and I rented that. God showed up at the right time to, to provide for me a place to live. So I had a place to live, but I was living alone. I didn't know a single soul in the state of California. I was in Pasadena. And I met um, a friend, a new friend, named Daryl Warner. Now, I knew at this time I was living by myself. And I started to get a little lonely, a little homesick, and you start having those doubts. Why did I move across country? Why am I going to graduate school? So one day I'd had enough of that, and I called my, my new friend Daryl that I didn't know very well. And Daryl came over to my apartment. He prayed for me. We prayed together. I shed a few tears. And I remember that was a, that was a turning point for me in seminary where I felt this is where I belong. This is where I'm supposed to be. And God showed up at the right time through a new friend named Daryl. When has God shown up at the right time for you as he did for the disciples, as he did for me? Do you have a story in mind? Do you have a thought in mind where God showed up for you when you were sick, uh, when you were alone, when you were unsure of your future, 
when someone very close to you um, was ill or had passed, when has God shown up at the right time for you? I believe that God shows up when we need him and that God is showing up for our church when we need him right now. So Jesus reveals himself to the disciples. He reminds us of his plan during this time, of his love, and he comes at the right time. Well, next, that was verses 33 through 35 and 36 through 39. We read, though, even though Jesus shows up, the disciples were startled and afraid. And even though they saw Jesus, they weren't sure of who he was or what they were seeing. They even asked, was it a ghost? They were startled and frightened, it says in the scriptures. So when do you feel afraid in your life? When do we feel afraid as a church? I remember being a little afraid as I was heading off to seminary. And I know over the last two weeks or so, there's been moments where I've been a little scared, like what are we getting ourselves into here as a church as well? But I know that God shows up at the right time. Throughout scripture, we see that God's people are afraid. And what is God's answer Um, When people are afraid, this is a common problem throughout Scripture. God says three words, do not fear. He says that through angels and through other ways, he says, do not fear. Why do we not fear? He says, the Lord your God is with us. The Lord your God is with you. God is with us. Jesus is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He promises to never leave us nor forsake us, especially in our hardest times. He is there walking with us, that is his, his answer. Well, I'd like us for to do what the disciples did, which is also right in these verses here. It says they look up and look at Jesus. I have a, a friend, he says, well, oftentimes when things go wrong, we do navel gazing. And I always thought that kind of sounded funny. But what he was talking about is we often, we often get our heads down when things go wrong and we look down, we look at ourselves. I think when we read this passage, we read that Jesus is saying to look up. He tells the disciples, they're not sure what they're seeing. They're not sure what's going on. And he says specifically in verse 39, look at my hands and feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. In a sense, Jesus saying, don't look down. Look up. Look at me. I am the one in which you have hope, in whom you have hope. Look at me. Jesus is our hope. Here's what the great preacher Charles Spurgeon said about hope. Hope is like the stars, unseen in the sunshine of prosperity and only discovered during a night of adversity. I like that a lot. Jesus is our hope. Hope is like the stars, unseen in the sunshine of prosperity and only discovered during a night of adversity. So we need to fix our eyes on Jesus It says in the New Testament, he's the author and perfecter of our faith. He is the one who's there for the lost cause, the lonely, the leper, the outcast. He is for all of us who are sinners who need salvation. He is there at the right time in whatever situations we need. When the disciples were afraid, his response was, peace be with you. Jesus offers peace for our fear, and it is a peace that passes all understanding. So Jesus says, look at me. And it is our time for our church and for us individually to look at Jesus and put our focus on Jesus. That is where our focus should be. And in my time up here, I want to keep every week putting our focus on Jesus. He is our hope. He is the one that we need to trust in. 
So those are the first two sections we read about. Jesus shows up at the right time, verses 33 through 35. The next section we read, the disciples were startled and afraid. Jesus says he offers peace. In this next section, in verses 40 through 43, the disciples see the physical evidence of his body, and they have joy and amazement. They realize that he is alive. They realize it's really him. And even though they're kind of still confused, they realize um, that he is there. And he is alive here in our church as well. If you know Jesus, he is active in you. And we move on and read in verse 41. It says, the disciples have joy and amazement, but they still did not believe. And I thought when I first read that, I thought that was a really strange statement. They have joy and amazement, but they still did not believe. In fact, the disciples think Jesus may have been a ghost. So he asked for something to eat, for some fish to eat, and then he eats it in their presence to show that he is actually physically there. Scholars think that he had a resurrection body. Maybe that was why there was still some of the confusion. Uh, But here are some facts we can glean from this passage in Luke 24. Jesus was not a ghost. He confirms that himself. They can touch him. He asked them to touch them, and he can eat. Therefore, he has a physical body, body. He's not part of their imagination. They're not imagining this. However, he was not quickly recognized on the road to Emmaus, with the two disciples that we talked about last week. And he's not quickly recognized by the gathered disciples in this passage as well. Therefore, scholars believe that his body was different, that he had a resurrection body. He was physical, yet new. Um, He was a little bit different, but similar, similar enough that they did recognize him. He was physical and yet eternal. Well, here at ZPC, we can see Jesus if we look hard enough. He may look different than we expect. He may look different to us right now today than he's looked in past weeks or past years. But I believe when we look, we can see Jesus active in our church even today. And that's good news for us. I wanted to tell you some of the things, um, a sampling of some of the things where I see Jesus at work in this church um, in you. Because I'm watching And I am seeing Jesus at work in you. Here's just a sample. I took some notes this week. Just on Tuesday, I had the chance to be invited to the Second Half Adventurers. That's a group of our church that's 60-plus group. There were almost 80 of them here on Tuesday for lunch in a program. And then down the hall during that time came some of the children, ages 2 to 5, from Noah's Ark, who sang a couple of hymns at the second half of Ventures. That was a really touching moment to see the young kids mixing with some of our adults as well. Then the second half adventurers went in and heard a talk from Ann Ryder talking about her faith. This week, there was a plan with Josh Migat, who is here doing the announcements for the high school students to do mulching and in the weeks ahead, working in yards and washing windows for some of our older adults in church. It's in, it's in order to build relationships but also for them to invest in some of the mission trips that the youth are doing. Jesus is at work there. On Friday, Greg Lanham's one of our high school leaders, some high school students and a few other adults, and I was here and it was cold Friday. Greg started out in the morning, but as school ended, some of our high school students showed up. They worked on restriping the parking lot. So I don't know if if you noticed that when you drove in. You need to look at that. It looks really nice. It's by some of our high school students on Friday afternoon and Friday at night. 
There's other areas as well where um, many of our ministries, we're seeing Jesus at work, which are almost fully lay-led by people like you, or maybe with just a little bit of staff support. Here, I'm going to give you some of these quickly. Vacation Bible School, Kristen mentioned that. That's coming up in July. It's going to be led by Jill Nash and Tom McCarthy. Our children are going to be learning about faith. It's almost all lay-led. Life Changes, which has met on Thursdays of this year, that's lay-led. The Gospel of Mark Sunday School class and other adult classes meeting this year. We're seeing God in Bible studies, small groups, one-to-one discipleship. Many of those meet in coffee shops and in your homes where you are experiencing Jesus together by yourself as you are uh, out there in the world. I had a chance to go down to the food pantry, which is on the far end of the building on Friday. There's a lot of people you may not know, but come here every Friday to receive food. And before that, there's a devotional. They can share prayer requests before the food bank opens. God is at work. In fact, that group is almost formed like their own little church when they share prayer requests together. God is at work. That ministry is almost fully lay-led by people in our church and by people in the community. Our elders are stepping up to serve and lead ministry, and I want to thank our elders for doing that. That's already happening. Our deacons are, are wonderful. Our deacons, they're mostly in a serving role, and there's, they're broken down into many teams. Just in the last week or two, I've heard of four of their teams that are active. This is really cool. One is the Deacons of Fun. You met Linda Forler, who was up here a little while, and with a couple other ones, they're planning a summer event, a summer celebration. That's underway. The planning is underway. Hospital team who make visits to our friends who are hospitalized, so I'm not the only one to go do that. They're making hospital visits to people, and they go in and pray with people. That happened this week. I know it did. Uh, Bereavement team who serve families when they have a memorial service or a funeral here at ZPC. There's our deacons. They always come. They provide refreshments and lemonade and food, and they provide a warm and welcoming atmosphere when someone passes away. That's our deacons. That's some of you. You're doing that. It's ministry of Jesus Christ. And then finally, the connection team. This is something that Terry Schrader was working on with our deacons where they make phone calls to members of our church. And I want to tell you, in the months ahead, this is really cool. They're going to be making quarterly phone calls, so about four times a year, to every member, every family in the church to check in on you, to see how you're doing, and probably share at least one announcement about what's going on in the church. That's something the deacons are going to be doing. They're planning it, they're working on it, and that's going to be happening very soon. Really cool. So these things are almost fully led by you. You are being the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. I just wanted to let you know some of that, what's going on. In addition, our staff is working hard in these areas, office, administration, finance, worship, uh, communications, children, youth, and adults, and the facility, making sure the facility stays nice. The staff is working alongside of you, our lay leaders, to make sure that uh, everything works well, that, that needs a staff person to work it, and to come alongside you that we can serve together. So I believe at ZPC right now, God is active and that Jesus is alive in our presence. When we stop and take a look, we can see him active everywhere within, within and outside the walls of this church. God is active. Jesus is here. Many of these ministries that I mentioned, in fact, most of them happen within inside the walls of the church. And so in the weeks ahead, we're going to talk some about what God is doing outside the walls of this church as well. I want to let you know I'm not forgetting that this morning. When we look back to the scripture in verse 44, Jesus said that everything is fulfilled. This means that the fullness of the kingdom of God 
is fulfilled in Jesus's plan. Everything is fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus said that everything must be fulfilled. And I know he's talking about that he is fulfilling the role of Messiah as set forth and predicted in the Old Testament. You can be a fulfillment of your role in the kingdom, just as uh, Jesus was talking with his disciples. By being disciples today, by investing in ministry here at ZBC, we can be the church together. Each of us has a role to play. I know this was important for me. When I was a a freshman in high school, I went to a large church in uh, Dallas, Texas. And on Sunday mornings for high school, we had announcements in this really large group. We had announcements in worship. And then we broke into groups by age, really for the teaching, for the Bible teaching. And um, so my freshman boys, uh, when I was a freshman, uh, there was a freshman boys teacher at Sunday school named David Gowdy. And it's been more than 30 years, but I still remember David. Why do I remember him? Because even as a 15-year-old, I remember, I thought it was cool, this young guy would take time to come in on Sundays to volunteer his time to lead our Sunday school class. It probably didn't hurt that he was kind of cool, you know, a guy in his 20s. But he knew the Bible, um, he believed in his faith, and he would volunteer his time to come in and teach a bunch of 15-year-olds about Jesus on Sundays. Um, He made an impact on my life. And I still remember it more than 30 years later. I don't remember specifically what David taught, but I remember it that I felt it was really important what he did. Each of us can have um, a role to play here at church. And I kind of want to make a call out this morning, as Kristen did earlier, to each of us to find the places where we can uh, find our role here at church. And so in, in your bulletin this morning, there's a brochure, a threefold brochure. I'm going to go through it just real briefly. Part of the reason I wanted to highlight this is this, this can look pretty overwhelming if you've got one of these. I want it not to be overwhelming, okay? I want it not to be overwhelming. I've asked our staff and some of our lay leaders over the past couple of weeks, let me know where you have holes in your ministry where, you, where we can fill in the gaps. And I don't think it's as massive as it may seem when you take a first look. It's in some of the key areas we need your help. As I mentioned earlier, a lot of you are already deployed. And if you are, praise God and thank you. If you're not, or if you have a little extra time, here's some of the areas where we need help. In children's ministry up at the top, there's help in the nursery. That's caring for babies at the 1030 hour. We also need um, small group leaders. That's the third box down. It says Amy Crispin, if you you can be a small group leader and help with our children's ministry. Skip all the way down to where it says middle school and high school at the bottom of the page. And it says discussion leader under middle school and discussion leader under high school. What, the, what does that mean? That means that you would come into a middle school or high school class. Someone else would teach the lesson, or in the children's ministry, someone else would teach the lesson. And then when they break into groups, you would help discuss what the lesson is so they can learn it. We have a lot of people doing this. We still have a need for more. And if we don't fill all the holes, that's okay. We'll find out another solution. But, uh, but we'd love to fill this. There's some opportunities for you to serve. Here's a neat ministry as well. A lot of you know Steve Pierce. His name is mentioned under outreach. See, outreach, it says community assistance ministry. We get calls in the church office requesting financial assistance. And Steve and others help determine, are these a good, a, a good people that we need to assist financially? You can help with that. We always need help in the office. So we need office volunteers. That's under operations. 
or worship in the arts, back there with Betsy, it says that with PowerPoint or the media team. And then finally, when we said goodbye last week um, to Terry Schrader, her area is a lot of the stuff out here on Sunday morning. So if you're here on Sundays already, here's a place where you can serve. We need team leaders. So if you're a leader type of person, we need team leaders for the usher and the coffee and donut ministries. Or if you're a more behind the scenes person, you don't want to be out front, we need help in the brunch, coffee and donuts, greeters and ushers. And that's not every Sunday. Those are things that happen occasionally where you can kind of sign and make your once a Sunday every once in a while to serve. So you can contact the person directly or you can sign on the back of that brochure and there's some baskets at the Welcome Center and outside the doors if you want to help. We're going to be mentioning this again the next few Sundays. We know it won't be perfect, but we know we're going to figure it out together. We can be the church together to do the things we need to do. Finally, there were a couple other things that were mentioned to me after this already went to print. If you like working in the library, there are some opportunities to help in the library. The prayer path, which if you've never been on the prayer path, it's not good to go when it's muddy. But when it's dry, the prayer path's down at the bottom of the parking lot. So we need some maintenance and landscaping there. The Children's Welcome Center, um, uh, we mentioned that. Or data, data entry assistance in the office staff. So there's lots of places for us to be together and to help together. Well, we can be the church together. <clears throat> and I want to tell you this. It won't be perfect but it will be good. Just as early as we began the service, I forgot to lead into the Scots confession. If you were here when we started, I forgot the confession and Steve kind of gave me a look. So then I remember that I was supposed to lead the confession. I'm not perfect. We're not going to be perfect. But if we all work together in the body of Christ, we will see Jesus at work and we can be his church together. And that's good news. Let's pray. Most loving God, we give you thanks that you love us. And God, we have learned today by reading in Luke chapter 24, God, to to not fear. God, even when we are startled or afraid or frightened, when we have doubts, as it said the disciples did, these are the men who followed you most closely, that they had doubts and fear. We know that you are our hope, and you tell us, peace be with you. We pray for your peace for every person in this room who is going through hardship or trials or a difficult time in their life or a sense of loss. May your peace be with them. And God, may you reveal yourself at the right time for us here in this church, for our families, for our friends, our neighbors, but also for this church. We thank you that you are revealing yourself, that you are at work, and we ask your blessing upon this church. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.